Hi, Jeremy. Hi, Rav. What's going on? I just did a, I just did a little nickname on you there. Oh, my God, yeah. <laughs> it, it's funny when people... It, we did an episode about laziness, but how there's a certain amount of syllables. Three syllables for a name <laughs> is okay, but... Oh, yeah, it's exhausting. Yeah, can we... Yeah, yeah. Mine, mine is terrible. That's why no one called me Jeremy when I was growing what? up. They called me by my last name. They called you J-Dog? <laughs> no. <laughs> they would call me Germ, Jerm, or Bailey in the end. I think that's what my friends decided on my last name. Mm. The Bill Meister. Um, yeah, the Bill. No. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, people were putting Meister on names back then. They don't do that anymore. No, those were the days. <laughs> um, the 90s. So today... I suggested that we talk about uh, what is art. Right, yeah. Well, actually, it was funny that you you wanted to talk about that because I've had like a bunch of meetings and the day you asked, some someone asked me if we could sit down and, and talk about that, um, like a, a guy from the startup world. But before we get to that, I'm so frustrated. <laughs> I'm, I'm coming to you today from uh, my new MacBook Pro, like the late 2016. The controversial touch by MacBook Pro. So just to paraphrase, we both always follow this news because we're on the computer all day. So we're very anxious to see where the computer is headed. Yeah, we make all. I make basically most of my work your on computer this. is more your apartment than your actual apartment. So some company gets to decide what that looks like, and that's the next two years for you. Or my studio, right? Yeah. It's like, yeah, this is yeah, this is my dream studio. I travel with it. Yeah. It's all around it's, me. It's your shopping I'm, mall. It's your, uh, it's it's your typewriter. It's your painting studio. It's your animation. It's a whole right. MGM studio, basically. You can do anything you want. You'll spend so much time there laughing and crying. And it's, it's everything. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. And it's so funny to think about, you know, if we we're going to decide on talking about two things today. <laughs> one, one is the philosophical far reaches of what is art, you know, and also the cr it's kind of cringe-inducing in, in, in that far reaches. And the other far reach is like, the the pragmatic pragmaticism of like the computer I'm record we're recording on the computer yeah. we make stuff on and well it, it but I, I know but it's the computer is uh, I feel really silly always following this gadget news and what's going on but that really impacts my life it really yeah like this I didn't sleep well last night <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I picked this thing because so you're very deep in the Apple ecosystem right <laughs> yeah well. And I'm trying to, like, I'm testing out, you know, other things right now. And I was like, this is, I was like, you know what? I'm going to give them, like, another shot at So what's this. the problem and, with the new MacBook? The new MacBook Pro? Well, first I have to say, like, at, like, like a lot of other artists, friends uh, that we have, like a lot of other people who make most of their work on their, their laptop, I've been waiting with great anticipation for not one year, not two years, not three. My, my previous computer i bought in mid it's it's kind of mid 2012 macbook pro and not only is it not it's not even the last body it's the body before and so that. why did you not upgrade sooner because i was i would you know every year i'd look at the specs and it wasn't quite right and also there was rumors like apple's been a little bit behind this like they're finally gonna catch up and i was like you know what but and there's is, the other argument kind of that uh 
Apple introduces a new step every three to five years. And when you get the last one of each step, it's the best one because they, they've figured out all the problems. Oh, I see. The last one. Well, that's what I, <laughs> that's what I did last time. Yeah. This time I thought I did the thing where I stupidly waited for the new brand new thing. And I think the reason I'm frustrated, actually, I can say like safely, this is like, it's beautiful. It's like really well made. It looks really good. Um, the keyboard, which is like got like these like uh, shallow keys. keys, shallow keys are actually great. It's like lazier. I, I don't have to press as <laughs> <laughs> mind you. Like one of the keys is kind of was misfiring for a while, but it seems to have like. I I, I have to say that with many purchases, the first two days I want to return them. When I got this yeah. desk chair, I I searched all these desk chairs. I have this Herman Miller Setu chair. I never had a nice Ooh. chair in my life, but. Uh, I went from a nomadic a nomadic lifestyle to a, a permanent lifestyle. I was like, okay, I can't afford a good chair now. And I looked <laughs> online, looked at all the reviews, and then I got the chair, and I'm like, wait, it wobbles weird. This is not right. I'm, I'm sending it back. How do you send a chair back? Because it's a huge box. And then after three days, wait, no. And then you, you start to accept the chair, and now it's... Uh, it's okay. It's the best. It's a, I don't want any mm. other chair. So I... I think many times I told my wife, I'm like, I'm returning this. This is crap. I said, no, no, just wait a day. And the next day I'm like, yeah, this is good. <laughs> yeah, so there's great things about it. So I'll jump straight to the, like, all of the things that people have been complaining about. They're all like, fine, actually. Like, it's enough RAM I've for got... you. It's enough CPU for you. And... Well, like all the ergonomic things, like the touch bar is actually not that bad. It's kind of cool. The trackpad is great. Like I can click anywhere on it's ginormous, like basically anywhere. It's like a Wacom on your, on your laptop. Yeah. Like I don't even have to think about where my hand is, wherever my hand is, it's probably on the, <laughs> on the and then, uh, the, like the USB-C thing, that's not a big deal either. I got like a, a $10, uh, adapter, like actually got two adapters for $10. It's like super easy. Yeah. The big issue is that like I went and fired up some of my uh, old performances just to get them ready for some stuff I have this week. I was like, yeah, I'm going to use my new computer and it's going to be better. It's going to be faster. Uh. And oh my God, like it's <laughs> there's something wrong. It's slower than my previous computer. Well, because it's, a, so it's the, like, I mean, we watched we both watched this video on YouTube about uh, single core processors and the development and now everything has to you basically need new software to use the new computer because everything is about multi-threading right well this that's true in cpus but gpus actually have been making great leaps okay and they put a less powerful gpu ah, in this macbook okay. pro however i upgraded to the best of the worst that they put in it <clears throat> it's still supposed to be according to apple at least 130 percent better 130 percent, not 30 percent. Yeah. 130 percent better than the one i would have bought but what's the old software know, that, six months that you're ago. using it's in max so i thought okay maybe it's just that like this thing called cycling Cy max by cycling 74 it's like a lot of uh artists it's for who, vjs who right? creative coding a lot of musicians use it, creative coders. It's like processing or yeah. not as good as open frameworks. Someone who uses open frameworks will tell you. Anyway, I so I thought maybe it's an issue with that because the benchmark on it was giving me like just horrible results, on, specifically on like geometry benchmarks, which are like which you need how for complicated. I need because, yeah, I'm always performing in 3D. Yeah. Um, and so like rendering things in real time is like, all I do. Um, and so then I st did the same test on 
I, I installed boot camp. I was like, mm, something's up with Mac OS. I, this can't be right. There's no way in four years they actually took a step back. <laughs> like it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. They haven't been sitting around for four years thinking like, mm, how can we make this worse? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Uh, yeah, so uh, I installed everything uh, uh, so that I could run Windows on my computer and then did the same test on a Windows uh, version, same machine, just in boot camp. And the, it was it was four times faster, basically, right? It was like uh, it was it was way way faster. Mm. So I was like, "There's something." That's what I was expecting. Like I was expecting to open this up like Christmas Day, and like my performances are like just like easy. You know, like it's like running like a emulator so from Nest days. It's not optimized, or macOS doesn't address the GPU, right? Or who knows what it is. Well, so I thought so, but then I ran a, a standard benchmark. <laughs> Now we're getting into the total nerd yeah. talk called like the GFX uh, mark. I looked up like what's the standard OpenGL benchmark, and it's called. There's this one called GFX, and I noticed that like PC Mag and other people use it. I tried that, and on the Mac, I was like, for this old old OpenGL test that it should like just kill it on. It was getting less than 30 frames per second, and then the same test on Windows was getting over 60 frames per second. So there's something, uh, just a warning to our listeners, if you have a new MacBook Pro, <laughs> you're they do into... live 3D graphics for performing. <laughs> well, a lot of VJs do. A lot yeah. of, like, they're doing shaders or they're doing geometry. If you're doing anything, yeah, if you're doing anything in that I feel like realm, maybe it was a decision at Apple headquarters that they went to flat design and they said, let's, let's make 3D design really horrible so everybody sort of makes these... You know, I always I, I, I always I made these very flat graphics, and maybe Apple decided that's the way we're going to go. We're going to well, only think, support Raphael style graphics, right. and Jeremy's right. out. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> we 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 yeah we want to prevent anyone from like from like Jeremy from succeeding. Raphael kind of hit the sweet spot yeah, <laughs> that yeah. we can build yeah. form factors for. Yeah, but anyway, I'll just say I think it's a driver issue. So. I sent I, I tweeted Apple. I'll give you guys an update, but in the meantime, I'm not so excited. I'm like I could because I could have bought like a crazy amazing PC. Well, I, did you see the stuff from CES where they have these crazy 21 inch laptops that <laughs> weigh like yeah. 20 kilos? <laughs> yeah, I kind of want to walk into like a performance with that. It, like you know, this is if this thing. Have is, you seen like, the the, gonna... the video of the concept? Uh, gamer laptop with three screens it folds out and you have three screens in front of you yeah that's a razor yeah uh, like three 17 prototype. inch screens and and leds all over the place and it's like a, it's like <laughs> it reminds me of the mobile disco that you would have in the back of a truck and you get to a town and it unfolds and this like it yeah. has lights and smoke and everything that's what it's I, pretty what, funny is that the I mean, future they build of They build them for gamers, and I always resent that because there's like, you know, a group of people like me that are trying to, you know, do live performance with them, and we're kind of there's no computer built for the live performers the way I feel sometimes, you know, and uh, you know, like even the DJ, you know, like specifically, I think probably the VJ. Well, they made the touch bar case, for the like, DJ. They did the cool demo. I know. Yeah, I know. The touch bar is not that bad. Anyway. I, I digress. This is a, a little so bit the, dirty and so boring, but it it's sounds affecting like, my mood. It sounds like this uh, will be fixed in software. I hope. I mean, it's like, I feel like I'm totally ignored. Like, here, it was like, I posted on a forum. I was the only one that had this computer that was posting in this specific forum. I feel like we always talk about being part of a but thin slice I, I of people. I think Apple's just a brand for lifestyle bloggers. It's not for people who use 3D. 
<laughs> no. <laughs> anyway, if it doesn't work out, like if I can't get more speed out of this thing, uh, I'll just use, if I have to boot this in Windows to get the speed, I might as well buy a faster Windows PC, yeah. right? So, um, yeah, anyway, so that's the depressing but news. The, 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 uh, sorry the, to yeah, the frustrating thing is that you want this one solution for all your stuff, so also for yeah. your TV and everything works together and for your smart shower and for your yeah, financials just make me my smart and, shower. For your, and it takes care of everything and understands everything and then oh they didn't take into account that people still use Max MSP yeah well it's just like four years ago Raf, I had a computer that I bought on like you know it, and, it, and it was like and it was vastly superior to the one I had four years before that and this is the first time I think where I've waited almost five years and it's like disappointing you know so it's like a little bit of me died today uh, <laughs> no i mean a little bit of my i mean belief. of course there's bigger problems in the world but these are real issues i mean you you want to do your work yeah no. yeah i want to i want to push the envelope on my work i want to be able, I, I like specifically that's how i sold it to Kristen, uh my partner I, you know i said this I'm hitting a wall. I can't do the performances I want to do, and it was actually true. Like there was yeah. certain kind of performance. Well, this, work I, I to mean, do. it's real. Yeah, my my idea so. was always with Windows laptops. Uh, I had Windows laptops for three years or something, and they would be amazingly fast when you get them, mm-hmm. and then slowly every month a little bit slower. And after a year, that it was just unworkable. You had to buy a new one. That right. was my experience. That I. Yeah, that happens on Ma- on a Mac as well. No, well, not I with that. me. Just, like it, it, yeah. it, it, the Mac was always twenty percent slower to begin with, and would kind of maybe mm-hmm. go to seventy five percent from eighty to seventy five. But the the Windows would go from one twenty percent to thirty. That that's mm-hmm. my experience. Yeah. No. Well, I actually upgraded this MacBook Pro to like future proof myself. Like I I put the higher end graphics card in it. But you, anyway. Yeah. Sometimes I, I wonder, could, like, I think we're both frugal and we uh, save money, etc. And sometimes, I wonder, should I just always get the newest and latest? But in this case, yeah, it sounds like the, the, they still have to figure some stuff out. So maybe next year is better. Yeah, like if there was a subscription plan for you to have, I don't know, the latest laptop. Um, it, most people would probably say, no, I don't want it because it causes a lot of heartache in terms of like Upgrading. updating everything yeah. to work. Yeah. Well, also, I here's the thing. I mostly still use CS6, the Adobe software, because I have a good version of that and I don't have to do the cloud thing. <laughs> right. Um, so if I get a new computer, the single core performance, it might be worse. Yeah, like, it, yeah, I, I think, well, the graphics card should theoretically be better, but like I said, I don't I said, think I use the graphic. Th- do I use the graphics read, card yeah. when I'm using Illustrator or things like that? Yeah, yeah, it does your preview. Yeah, it's actually super important, especially if you have multi-page. But is that only uh, if you have the newer version of the Adobe software? That it actually hmm, uses the graphics card? That's an interesting question. I know my designers at work require us to get them like a, dis- a computer with a discrete okay. graphics card because Illustrator doesn't But they use the, the latest version of the Creative Cloud, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is insane. I'm just waiting. I, I'm postponing switching to Creative Cloud. It's weird if you use Creative Cloud. God, we're so off topic now. But if you use Creative Cloud. Like I use two of the apps, but they keep adding apps. So there's like in my Creative Cloud, I have access to like 50 different apps with different initials and letters and words. Like I don't know, like Emblaze or like <laughs> Edge 
Edge Terminate. It's or expensive. Though, it's like, I, I, I don't know what they do. I don't know if you can get a discount if you're saying I'm extra creative. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I'm just on like okay, the. They should have a not so corporate plan. They should. They should yeah. just have the Photoshop plan, basically. Well, the there is a Photoshop plan, plan but uh, I, I also need After Effects or things like that. So, uh, okay. Uh, but they, they should have some kind of friendly thing towards people who are not part of the machine. So, actually, that's a good segue. So, you know, yeah, yeah, you're, yeah, yeah, you're not part true. of the machine. You're, we, you're, wanted you're to t- <laughs> we had a real issue today. <laughs> you're an artist, right? And, you know, how do you define what art is in relationship with the artist? But I wanted to sort of segue by saying that I had, I've had two meetings and one on the day you asked me about this with people who work in technology specifically, like kind of like, you know, successful either UX people or this guy that I was talking to the other day, he had like started and sold several companies um, that were kind of technology driven. And he was like, you know, he seemed comfortable enough. And this is the weird thing that he'd started to consider. And he might be listening because he said he listened to one of our podcasts. What's What's up? We're about to talk about you live. Not so live, actually. It's a recording. Anyway, um, he he had started to consider, like, maybe I'm an artist. He started to have these questions, like, the things that I wanted. There were all well, these the, things he wanted. I think to- the first thing with the question, what is art, there's no authority on what is art. So if you want to say I'm an artist, no one can stop you. You, you, <laughs> you cannot true. say I'm a lawyer because there's a legal system saying I can practice law. And if I step out of line, I can't practice law yeah. anymore. But anyone in the world can say I'm an artist. Yeah, they can also, yeah, and someone else can say, you're a bad artist. Yeah, that's fine, <laughs> that's like but nobody the, can say the, you're not an artist. Yeah, that's true. Or people could say nothing, and then you're really, you probably uh, not a good yeah. artist. But, um, but we're not talking but, uh, about what is successful art or what is good art. We're talking about what is yeah. art. Well, that this guy was pretty confused, actually, because he's like, I have these ideas, and like they don't make any sense in like the corporate culture that I live in. It, and he was asking me, is this art? And he like described a, a performance that he wanted to do where he put two VR headsets, like um, that he connected them so that you had, and you had to look into each other's eyes somehow. Anyway, I don't know, it was, but then he said that Snapchat uh, had, or no, Tinder had a, a booth at CES where they did the same thing. And he, but he was like, so is that art? Cause he was inspired by, I was like, oh, that sounds like Marina Abramovic in VR. That was sort of my, my thing to say. And he's like, yeah, so is like Tinder making art now? Well, I, I, and, yeah, I, I think the core problem is also that the uh, there are no boundaries in reality. So th- there's gradients and uh, artists will use corporate influences and, influ- and, and corporations will use artistic influences. So it's always pollinating and merging and things. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they're copying each other for sure. And also one thing I know, that, and you know too, is that a lot of artists work in tech because they can't make a living, yeah. you know, but, an increasing but, but number But maybe of them. at the core, I think it got confusing. I mean, this topic is so huge, but I was thinking the, the original idea of people of what is art is figurative painting. So the mm-hmm. idea that I think, I think that's beyond any doubt that in people's minds when they think of like what is art is like... Uh, Michelangelo, whatever, right. who there, there was no photography yet and they needed their portrait taken. And I think by today's standards, the way we view art, someone, a portrait painter is not considered an artist, or rarely. 
Well, would you? Yeah, no. Well, except there is a national portrait gallery, and like the presidents still get their yeah. But nobody, done, nobody, like, when they're talking about what's going on in art, is talking about the president's portrait. Where, if we're talking <laughs> about true. the 17th century, we might talk about a portrait of a king that was, or like Rembrandt's Night Watch, his masterpiece. That was a portrait of a group of people of benefactors that wanted their portrait taken. Right. So by today's and, standard. If somebody took a, a portrait of the, the city of New York and the, the, the five top people and someone painted that, no one would c- put that in a magazine talking about the cutting edge of what's going on in yeah, art. Yeah, but it was pretty exciting back then to have your portrait done by someone like that because it was a, the equivalent of the singularity. It was like yeah. you were going to live forever, yeah. right? It was yeah, like yeah, yeah. we're going to upload your face to a canvas. But maybe what's your <laughs> definition of art or do you have any? So that was, yeah, what I was trying to des- describe to this guy as he started to like tease apart and he was the interjecting, you know, and arguing, well, what about this or what about that? And what I started to talk to him about um, was the fact that it's like the one of the great things about it is it's so undescribable, that it's so vast and nebulous that unlike um, in its best way, it's form, like the best art. But right, what is it for you? It's surprising. What is it for you? For me, I was saying to him, for me, it has to be like, critical in some way like it needs to position itself either against something uh in in real or in relationship with something so it has to acknowledge context and has there has to be intent um and then i think it there needs to be some aesthetic element within that but i the way i described it to him is when i was there's a principle behind it in some way like when i was a young student i was if i was recording a video if i compressed that video the compression I would consider um, an intention, like I in- intended to compress it, something that I did, right? And that uh, that made it either art or not art. If I didn't acknowledge the compression, mm. this is how I described it to him, then I wasn't an artist. If I acknowledged that the compression changed the meaning of the work, this is as a, a young principled artist, then then I was making art. That's how I, I, I figured it out when I was young. But And so for you, um, uh, because I, I think, um there's art as the peak of creativity. So if you have people in any creative endeavor, which could be cooking or hip hop, or yeah. it could be botany or whatever, and then they say, okay, this guy, he's not just a landscaper. He's taking it to a whole nother level. So that's an artist. But then there's the well, other art of- that's more like, okay, the art world, and the, if it's in a museum, it's art. So that's the other thing. Yeah, but if you like... <clears throat> Yeah, but if you have well, a chef who's a very mu- critical yeah. and he's like, "No, I'm addressing the oven it was made in, and it's a different dish in a different oven," and right, but the the cliche, of course, is like, you know, the the art cliche is like, what is the meaning? Like everything has a meaning associated with mm-hmm. it, and I'm not saying, you know, like in a painting, you're like, what is the meaning of the that circle in an abstract painting? What is that yeah. line? But people are trying to figure out some kind of like association. All I'm saying is that every decision has intent behind it and its exclusion also should have uh, some sort of reason behind it. But, but that's that dangerous mean, though, because if, if you start to, I mean, a lot of art schools teach this way, but then you're leaving <laughs> out sort of stream of consciousness, happy, spontaneous creation, naive. But that's a decision, right? Like, so if you make that but that decision, makes for a very academic kind of art when you say you have to know every part of what you're using, you have to be aware of. Right. Now, yeah, but my point is maybe that any definition of art that I've tried, I have so many arguments against it, and it seems that every artist is trying to disprove any definition. So whenever there's a <laughs> definition, when people say, painting is yeah. art, it's like, no, I'm an artist, everything I breathe is art. And then somebody right. else says, no, 
there's bullshit. It should even be if you look at it, it's, you don't have to make it. And constantly people are testing the boundaries and then it's like little children. They're like, you can't go there. It's like, no, yeah, I will. One thing we can all agree, though, is that, and this guy had this feeling, too, he was, like, worried about being, quote-unquote, derivative, or as millennials like to say, relevant, right? Like, apparently that's the most common word used. Oh, wow. Like, among, like, 10 and 11-year-olds, like, is that relevant? <laughs> <laughs> Which I think is amazing Which is also, to hear. yeah, so the, the, you want to be, you want to bring something to the table. Something new, Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you want it. Yeah. So that's, you know, I think the, you know, the idea of intent and novelty sometimes maybe gets confused as art or that's or maybe those are just the two two um, two pieces that come together in the recipe. I don't think it makes good or bad art, but that those are kind of two pieces that are common. Yeah. Um, well, it's, it's kind yeah. of like um, often art is used as a compliment. So not even. Mm-hmm. So, for example, we can agree on what is a human and what is a dog. Uh, th- right. There's a distinction between those, and you, they cannot breed together. It's like how you separate animals, different species. So we can agree what are humans, but not every human appeals to you. So art should be: mm-hmm. is it a category like humans, or is it a category to like, oh, that's an awesome person? Mm-hmm. And so, it, yeah, I often think that art is used as like, that's not art. I can do that. Michelangelo, that's an artist. So that that actually would be like how I would describe whether you know that's my my test. Usually, like if there's a question you can ask, you can you know understand the ontology of something. Which is in this case, like <clears throat> the question I would ask is like, is it useful? And if it's not useful, it's art. <laughs> yeah, but that gets <laughs> like, tricky because then any church art of the past is not art. Well, and and some people might argue that right that but that do was, you argue that. If, there was illustration. Well, I think that like the artists that we celebrate in that realm, they often snuck in the art, right? Yeah, like yeah, they, yeah. they're like, I'm a great, I'm a great illustrator, but they would say I'm a great artist, I'm a great painter, and then they'd be like, hmm, they won't, they won't notice that I hid this like. But know, that's the same, for example, with symbolized. with big Hollywood movies. Sometimes they'll sneak in something, a little dissonant note, something <laughs> right. that it, only few people pick up on, and it's this little. Yeah. And, uh, um, I love when that happens because usually the Rotten Tomatoes score is like 20% or something yeah. but you know that it's actually like the best movie ever made yeah. um, I mean yeah like Starship Troopers would be an example of that or something like that yeah. where, you know, where people don't recognize it at the time um, and that's uh, Van, what's his name? Paul Vanderhoof or Paul Verhoeven Verhoeven, sorry yeah. I always get the but you know he's a like celebrated auteur, but like his catalog of films is all these like what would have been films that tanked at the time, like Showgirls. Well, I, I, I read an interview with him, and he was hanging out with other directors, pretty commercial directors, and they all laughed. It's like, I don't know how you got Starship Troopers made. That's the most expensive art film ever. <laughs> you know, it's it's such a sick movie, but everybody just celebrates it as a big action movie, and yeah. Uh, I love it. I love yeah. that that happens. I, I fantasize I mean, it, about yeah. being in that position one day. But and, so for me, uh, a few of the definitions, one of them, the, thinking of the impractical as being art. But I think that's also a bit restrictive because already if you make something that can be bought and sold, that would disqualify it because that gives it a practice. So any artwork you make, <clears throat> a lot of artists start out making art that's impossible to sell and it finds that the market will find its way. If it's interesting, they'll 
They'll find a way to sell mm-hmm. a performance. And so as soon as something is bought and sold, it has a practical purpose. It, it creates wealth for other people. Uh, and so art is always part of other people's lives and for that reason serves a purpose. So if art is there to make a room more beautiful or to distinguish people, like if, if people get rich, they want to not just mm-hmm. be rich, but they also want to be part of an intellectual world, then... It's serving a role there too. So, as soon as I yeah, right. it's, serving, it's serving as a symbol for status, right? Yeah, or whatever, or it's or it's serving as entertainment, or it's serving as a, a educational tool. It it. Mm-hmm. So one of my definitions of art is something that exists solely for the reason of existing, and not for any other reason than its own existence. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, like the object itself. Yeah, or, is... or the entity, whatever the whether it's mm-hmm. a poem or a song or a movie. Or, but already with movies, it's tricky because there's a whole system around it. So, when you're making an artwork, do you think about the artwork's universe, like as separate from your own universe, like you know that it has a set of rules that it plays by? And you mean in relation to the other works? No, in relation to itself. No, I mean, my works are all very singular, small interests. Like, oh, mm-hmm. I'm interested in how a ball bounces to the edge of the screen. That's all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but so that ball has a world and you you kind no. of figure out all the parameters of that world. Or no. Is the work well, itself I, th- the I think my definition of art is the intensification of perception. Mm-hmm. So I, I think the original meaning of the word aesthetics came from Greek and it has something to do with sensor, sensory input and perception and feelings so something right. about the world going into the brain of the artist and then coming out in a form that translation that that to me that's my interest that uh, mm-hmm. so, something coming in and going out it's almost like the, the, the artist is an out and maybe my point is that as soon as there's a practical the more practical things are involved the more the art gets diluted the perception part mm-hmm. so that's maybe where I'm also not so interested in political art because there's so much narrative and so much uh, societal constraints and morality that it distracts from the perception. I mean, I would argue, though, that like part of that process of going into the head and then coming out again, which I think is a beautiful way of thinking about it, and we could, get, we could start to quote philosophers, but we won't. We're going to restrain ourselves <laughs> for a second. Is, uh, is that what you get there with a social issue as well is some, some internalization and then exposition of that context, right? Like if you're, what's the difference between observing um, a social or a political uh, aesthetic or like world versus like the ball? So like if there's a bouncing ball. Well, for me, it I gets get it. diluted. Like, That's So even if it's a mm-hmm. political, any political observation in the end is an emotional observation. So it, mm-hmm. I'm more interested in, in Edward Munch painting of the scream that's more of a mm-hmm. universal distillation of fear than the political parties at that time and the local problems that were going on. I'm, I'm more interested in it being distilled. And that's what I mean with the, the intensification of perception. You in- yeah, but like, w- would you argue that... So here's a, a cliche example, but like Cindy Sherman managed to pair both aesthetics, like visual aesthetics and political aesthetics... Mm-hmm. in her like untitled film stills which you know yeah. for the maybe zero percent of people who have never seen those works where she's recreating kind of not literally but recreating yeah but what i like about those is that it, it's cinema. so distilled that you could read it in many ways so it's it, there is a political angle if you come 
from a political background, but a lot of people might view it differently. So I like that that's more open. Whereas if you make a, a video about WikiLeaks and it just constantly says uh -huh. WikiLeaks, then... But this goes back to our religious argument. That's an illustration versus artwork, right? Artwork needs to transcend the... Well, like, I, I, I prefer not to use the word illustration, but maybe the word concentration. And so if it's more yeah, distilled... Yeah, that might be insulting to a, a really good illustrator that's also an artist. Yeah, and it's also this tricky thing of like... Some, I think that that's maybe the most frustrating thing for artists and non-artists is like why does the one thing that's almost the same like certain cartoonists are not labeled as artists and Raymond Pettibone who did all the Black Flag album covers who mm -hmm. was basically an illustrator because he was making drawings for album covers somehow that got picked up as art and someone mm -hmm. who draws almost the same way from the same period is more known in the, the world of zine collectors so it's very hard thinking okay why why is that art mm -hmm. yeah but i guess it i mean every artist has this to get back to your aesthetics thing they need to have almost seemingly because of the forces outside of art some kind of brand in terms of aesthetic they need their things their things need to look a certain way but that's the tricky Whether thing not, where you can even yeah. you can be very subversive and decide i don't want to be recognizable and that might mm -hmm. make it more art because you're not you're not concerned with the branded consistency right yeah and, and it's more for sales anyway probably so that your work could be recognized in someone's house yeah or something though there's a conception you, you know you can quite often if someone doesn't drive themselves conceptually that or sorry aesthetically you can find you can find similarities conceptually like i can spot i could easily spot like a janet cardiff who's like a you know sound-based artist even though all of her works look different they have uh, there's a conceptual kind of thread that's common between them. Yeah. But, but my argument maybe is that my agenda of uh, intensification of perception, someone might do the total opposite and, and be like, this is completely about the opposite of concentration and just constant wandering and anything that comes mm -hmm. to mind and putting in narrative and music and just making chaos. And uh, Who's doing that? I don't know, but that could then turn out to be even more <laughs> odd. So... But I don't even know if we can think of any. It's interesting that it would be. It's hard to think of someone that that is. Well, there's not, always the um, example of Duchamp, who did a lot of different things, or Warhol. Um, that's true. Well, Duchamp, I think, is a great example, but he kind of evolved his practice over time. I, you know, I guess you're right because he did the the etchings and. Well, he the, also the did performance, and, and he did uh, mm -hmm. cross dressing, and he did chess, and but because that's another definition where art is basically developing a very singular personality and then whatever you do mm -hmm. is art so it's also if you dress as, like the way Dali dressed that was part of his work mm -hmm. um, and the way you live so I think a big as I get older I'm very interested in how artists live what kind of house they lived in what they did to the house uh, how mm -hmm. they eat because that all becomes part of the vision but then that that's nice because that comes back to your original point uh, which I think is a good point about you know the input and output being yeah. like the the art is the filter yeah or mm -hmm. you know or the algorithm the, the algorithm yeah yeah and it's in in a way that's also beautiful because anyone can really be an artist if they choose to filter the world around them and send it back out in, in a different way that came, came in rather than just repeating back what they hear right yeah um, but then in, in, your, in your case devices. you're really involving the audience so that's a whole nother approach where it's it's not it's not your work is not so much uh, uh, f 
distilled into one single object. It's more a continuous uh, relationship with other humans. Yeah, well, I just think of like an audience and the same thing as the, I consider the internet an audience, by the way, as well. As I think of that as material, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like what the material, the thing I see, like your material might be... Um, might be like I don't know paper or uh, JavaScript. photography, JavaScript. Yeah, the audience is a kind of material that can be molded or manipulated, but, it, but, I, but not but, in a negative yeah, way. Yeah, but the thing with performance is that it only exists for a certain moment and it it disappears after. You can record it, but it's not the same. Yeah, but I'm and I'm not recording it. That's why I'm saying it's like I don't reflect back what it is. I kind of manipulate it, right? So if you can manipulate, yeah, with any material, like that's part of the the filter, part of the algorithm is like, okay, input plus material, you know, but the, times. What's interesting to me then context. is is the it's again that thing of of what's an illustrator, what's an artist, when is it theater and when is it performance art, and and mm-hmm. even. I think performance art and conceptual art touches on philosophy a lot of times. Yeah. It's like a thesis you're testing. So where for you, are, do, do you see any boundaries between theater and performance art? Well, you're starting to distinguish, there's that snobby distinguish, stink, like the distinction between art and arts with an S, right? Okay. Like, you know, and I'm not, I don't, maybe it's not snobby. It is interesting that it even exists, right? So we'll say like, are you an artist or are, are you, do you make art or are you in the arts? Yeah, like, like the Lawrence arts Wiener like makes dancing. texts on walls, but he's not considered mm-hmm. a poet. Right, right. Yeah. But for you specifically know. with performance, it, it, have you been invited into theater world? Yeah, 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 yeah. And the most experimental kind of fringe theater, uh, a lot of the stuff I've seen, um, it you know, you might consider it art. The the weird thing is, though, sometimes, like, there are these, hi- there's a historical context that's different, right? And these people are trained up a certain way. Because sometimes I'll go to a theater thing, and maybe you've had the same experience, and it'll be like the most avant-garde theater that we've ever presented. And then you see it, and you're like, ooh, this is really bad. This is like... A retake on a 1960s performance mm-hmm. by you know so and so because it's like this seems like a Chris Burden. But one of the I mean, one of the one of the distinctions between theater and performance art is the lack of a clear narrative and a beginning or end, where performance is more like a performance art is almost like you're making a painting or a, a looped video, but it's live. It's it's just something you stare at. You can come in later or earlier. Sure. Yeah. Like I would consider it just um, a real, a new, a different reality. So like I could perform at a trade show just as easily as I could perform on a stage. The stage though becomes the context for the work, mm-hmm. right? Like it's part of the material process, but um, you know, just like the internet is a kind of a stage, right? You just have to take the context into consideration. I, I, I had a teacher, I think that really drilled into me that the meaning of the work, you know, in in a sense, you know, this is like the idea that the death of the author, birth of the reader that Bart said, but basically like the, per- the the audience and the context that they're in, the place has so much information, you know, that you that the artwork can't ignore that, right? It has to be in a performance anyway. Okay. This might be different. You could make an argument for or against in a in an object con- object object based context, but like in a performance, if I'm standing performing on a subway station, you know, station platform, that's very different than if I'm in Carnegie Hall, right? Like there's a whole yeah, set but of... The, 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 that's also sometimes used as a cop-out where it becomes so much about the context that it's more about 
your skills in infiltrating in the art world and as soon as you get in the the most prestigious space you could it doesn't matter what you do and and there's something about a melody like a, a certain beethoven's ode to joy the yeah it it's just it's such a clear thing and you it just hits you everywhere and it always triggers that emotion and it, right. it's been used by every political party around the world. It's been used by communists. It's been used by the U.S. It's been used by Russia. It's been used for the Olympics. Um, and in any context, it gives this f- feeling of strength and hope. And so it's it's completely irrelevant of context. You can play it in the subway or in a football stadium or in a restaurant. And it's just, mm-hmm. it's always powerful. And that's kind of the opposite of uh, Duchamp's toilet seat, which is only readable if it's seen in the museum. Yeah, I mean, for me, some of the most boring artwork in the world being made right now for museum is for museums, yeah. right? Yeah. The most and it, and it only functions if you even know the story because you have to be connected. Yeah, because the the most exciting or interesting work, you know, I was just thinking of a, of a couple artists, our uh, work, our works that aren't even recognized by as art quite often. I'm mm-hmm. thinking of like. Well, friends of ours, uh, Eva and Franco Mate, for example, like they, starting out, I remember they were making performances for chat roulette and stuff like that. And they were seen as, and they positioned themselves as outsiders to the art world. But I'm also thinking like the Yes Men or um, recently got really excited about, and I, I can't believe it took me so long to hear about him, but this guy called Theaster Gates, who basically builds houses in Chicago um, and like, you know, is an entrepreneur and, and, and kind of funds the development and um, I don't know, of, of the black community there. He's doing really interesting things. And, you know, obviously there's relational aesthetics yeah. has existed. Well, that's an interesting time, angle where I, I was always saying the question whether it is art is not relevant. The question, is it interesting, mm-hmm. is more interesting. So you see something and of course you can argue, yeah, they're pushing the boundaries of art, but it's still... Who cares? Yeah. But then I saw an interview with Gerhard Richter and he was talking about that art is becoming more and more entertainment. People go to the museum mm-hmm. for an experience and he says it's a danger if it becomes too interesting because there are important questions that are quite boring but that have to be asked. So I guess the pendulum is always swinging around. I just think of a museum as like if you're, you know, if you're new to, let's say, like reading, the first place you're going to go is like a bookstore, right? But after a while, you might go to a reading by an author at a local bar. And then mm-hmm. after a while, you might like, uh, you know, order some special rare print yeah. book online. Like you get deeper and deeper. But where, but where it gets really complicated is uh, if you get deeper and deeper and you're like, okay, well, I'm, I'm interested in intensification of perception. And then you look like, what happened the last 50 years? Who really, which artists really changed the way we view the world? And then you're like, well, maybe Twitter and Facebook are way better works of art that really changed the way we see reality mm-hmm. than any performance or painting or whatever. Except that they would be like, hey, we had nothing to do with that. <laughs> we're just a utility. <laughs> something went wrong. Yeah, we're just a utility. Don't, hey, hey, we have no opinion on that. Hey, hey, watch out. Watch yeah, out. but so th- that's where it gets tricky. Like if you if you say like, okay, art, I'm interested in art for its, uh, uh, it can change the way I see things. And then it's like, well, the movie industry and the video game industry and, and all these things on a very large scale are doing that much better than uh, all these individual mm. artists. 
Yeah. Yeah, I mean, but good a good movie can still be art, though, as we as we already discussed. And well, I'm not sure, you know. but uh, uh, I I think that things with a beginning and end and a duration and a, a, for me, it's just such a different thing than creating this one mood that you walk into and that is continuous. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I I think of course I, there can be great movies that have subversive. Yeah moments but for me that the narrative is is just separate from visual art and when there's right. too much narrative that but that's my point of view no i mean I, I understand that that point of view for sure um but i think like i've made videos that have a like a beginning uh middle and end and they're made for specific context and that's kind of what makes it different yeah. for me well but. i i think with with the performance in in video art that it is a there's a blurry line between video art and cinema and there is a blurry line between theater and performance right but what's an interesting example George Lucas is starting did you read any of it because he's starting a museum of narrative art oh no I, I did uh, oh yeah, yeah well, he I has a huge collection too. of Star Wars memorabilia and concept art and concept art of B movies and movie posters a lot of things he calls it narrative art so Right. There's, there's all these painters who do concept art for movies for things like Blade Runner which they mm-hmm. can paint a million times better than anyone in the art world they're, they're, right. uh, when it comes to skill they're amazing and when it comes to imagination they surpass anyone because they can mm-hmm. imagine all these weird creatures and worlds and then a movie like Blade Runner was hugely influential to fine artists let's call it fine yeah. artists uh, so a lot of artists uh, uh, grew up with Blade Runner and it opened up a lot of things for them and they admire it so uh, George Lucas had this huge collection that he wanted to donate to museums and no museum was interested they're like no that's illustration mm-hmm. who cares uh, mm-hmm. we want to have a big Richard Serra we want a big slab of rusty steel we don't <laughs> care about these these little concept right. uh, boards and so then he's like okay well then I'll I'll I made a lot of money selling the Star Wars franchise, so I'll start a museum. I, he has a budget of about a billion and a half, and he proposed it to different cities, and most cities didn't want it, and it's going to end up in L.A. now, which I think makes sense. Yeah, wasn't it originally going to be in San Francisco or something Yeah, like and nobody, because the people, uh, I think a lot of people who define what is art and sort of what is good taste uh, are often nervous about being seen as dumb by their friends. So they're like, oh, mm-hmm. I can't stand behind this. My friends will laugh at me at the, at the next opera. They'll be like, oh, <laughs> you're going to make a Jar Jar Binks museum? Huh? Good for you. <laughs> no, we're going to stick with Richard Serra. So, you're probably right. Yeah, so that's, that there is like so a- why is that not art or is it art? Or, I don't know. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, the snobby answer to that question that I was thinking about, or the elitist answer, is like that those people are creating material for real artists. But that's like, yeah. And I think often it's because as soon as trade is a part of it, as soon as like a normal income or healthy way of life or something, yeah. as soon as there's like money to be made or profit to be. But profit is that, only a result of major interests. So, well, no, but profit really in its sort of like classic definition is the extraction of like some excess labor. You need a capitalist for there to be profit. Someone has to like take, make, chart, like give you less money than they're getting back in return. Yeah, but it's, I, I think the success of Star Wars is, is an effect of it being very interesting to a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. So, but and that's part I of mean, why the art world is, is about distinguishing yourself from the masses. 
But if Star Wars tomorrow wanted to be uh, like, there are these rules that it can't break about itself, uh, which is why I was asking yeah. that question earlier about the rules that you established. But like, if Star Wars tomorrow was like, oh, Cirque du Soleil presents Star Wars, it just doesn't. <laughs> well, but George Lucas started no as an it. artist. He he made a few art films in the beginning. I don't know if you ever saw his short films. I saw um, THX. I don't no, think that no, was a short the, film. There's like yeah. short films which are non-narrative and, you know, it was the 70s so people were trying stuff. Mm-hmm. And he also Scorsese started with these things that are almost like Bauhaus films of just shooting at weird angles and uh, associative editing and things like that. Yeah. He started out that way and just step by step he got more into regular narrative and he turned out to be way better at that than making art films. But that's an interesting trajectory of like... Uh, yeah I'm an artist oh I just happen to have a better camera oh actually I'm pretty good at story let's try this and then just defining entertainment for the next century right right but then yeah yeah, so my question then is like uh, is that art or not and I I guess it's up to the person who views it I mean you just use the words entertainment though and I don't think anyone this is this is tough because it's and it's really interesting in a way because a lot of museum directors have started talking about themselves as uh, entertainment companies. Yeah, but because they they talk- want to create experiences. They they don't want you to just sit there and say like, okay, this is painting from 1950. Then they made a few steps. Then they went to 1960, mm-hmm. but they all stayed within the rectangle. They're like, no, uh, the museum is a material. The audience is a material. Uh, mm-hmm. let's think as far as possible and and then yeah it becomes close to a, a, a sort of theme park for adults have you ever been to uh, La Gaîté Lyrique in Paris it's like a museum that opened in Paris like a maybe a decade ago maybe the idea that the guy that founded it uh, whose name escapes me he came from like a journalism background or you know like a, a magazine editorial background and so he thought the the museum should be more like a magazine. It should be more like there's the style section, <laughs> you know. Then there's, there's the, the crossword the puzzle. Youth. Yeah, exactly. And actually, but it, but it was really successful in terms of audiences because they're like they understood it, you know, for the first time. Because museums, for you could argue for like, you know, ever well, that, have designed themselves to be exclu- funny though, like hard to, me, hard to penetrate. As soon as you understand it, it's not art. <laughs> if there's no anything that's understand, maybe that's my so. I like this idea of when you see something and there's a void and whatever yeah. you put in it, it doesn't give you anything back. But that does remind me that like art is the only profession that assumes that the customer is always wrong. <laughs> well, I, I, I once did a workshop and it was for people of, from all, all kinds of people from art school, but also people from insurance companies. And it was a weird collection of people. And I gave them the assignment, make something of which you cannot explain why it is the way it is. Mm-hmm. And they all stared at me and their mouths opened and they're like, nobody, they couldn't, they, they, they were scared of the assignment and I mm-hmm. had to give them a more concrete assignment. I love that though, because like I always talk about good comedy uh, and satire being like the exposing an uncomfortable truth, you know, so making people uncomfortable mm. is is actually difficult to do. Yeah. Uh, in a way and um, but can care you know I characterize that as an experience we don't have very often we like turn away from it usually yeah. um, but it can make us laugh hilariously in ways we never thought possible mm-hmm. right um, yeah. and so yeah it's not it's not programmed kind of thing 
I don't know. I think the rules thing is still the thing that really resonates with me most. Like I once did a show that was called like, um, you're doing it wrong, but like the idea of misusing technology or misusing, like doing everything the wrong way. Yeah. Accepting the, the faults of a medium. Yeah, it's like the George Costanza. I mean, we're always referencing Seinfeld. I don't know why. Because <laughs> it's the greatest like, artwork ever made. <laughs> that episode where he, he just decides to do the opposite and he's wildly successful. <laughs> you know, like whatever he thinks he should do, he yeah. just does the opposite. Like, I think he always gets I, my a sandwich and he's like, no, today I want egg salad on rye. Yeah, I mean, I've even been thinking about like our podcast this way. Like when we started it together, it was like, how is everyone else doing podcasts? No, let's not do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, I'm like, we should think about our audience. You're like, no, who cares about the audience? <laughs> it's yeah. like, we should have professional graphic design. Well, that, no, we'll just do it in two yeah. seconds. <laughs> but then the, the, that's a question of like, a, but when you ask, okay, is this podcast art or is this a side project next to what we really do? And, and Or is doing an interview, is that art? Or is riding the train to work or putting on your shoes, is that part of your art? For me, the part where this podcast could get close to art if we were so bold as to try and do it, and I think we're trying to evolve that, is is this idea that the unpreparedness of it, right? Like, mm. and arriving together, like exposing our vulnerability about a topic. Like, I don't really prepare for this, and neither do you. We kind of do mentally a little bit, I think. Um, I just but did 100 the closer we get. <laughs> but the most interesting insights always occur to me the less I prepare for this, yeah. you know, and yeah. um, that to me uh, is getting close to an artwork and our idea of like, we're starting to record But then your performances, you, you, pref- you uh, practice and you prepare. No, I don't. Oh, okay. I don't. Because I, I saw I your performance specific- at seven on seven and there was definitely, there were chapters that you prepared. Yeah, I just wrote down a couple notes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like a Because you list. had a one more thing at the end. and uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, but I specifically don't rehearse because um, I found that you get a much more robotic. I get much more robotic and yeah, I, and I yeah, worry. Yeah. And a large part well, of my brain then is thinking about what I'm doing right or wrong. We can do a whole episode about also uh, performing. But there's a thing in performing where if you, you do completely off script, you just have a few notes, then it feels good. Or you can completely rehearse and rehearse so much that you can improvise, That's but the in-between is really terrible. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. So I don't have time for the rehearsing for uh, a decade yeah. <laughs> for my first performance, but I have, you know, and I, but I, yeah, so I, and so I just go with the moment and I have some idea of where I want to get. And it gets me in trouble sometimes. I've definitely had bad, done bad work or, you know, perform but poorly. But that's also, I, I think that's one of the things that why people like painting a lot why they accept painting a lot more than uh, digital prints often because digital prints and photography have this idea of control and perfection and you can control every element something goes wrong you just redo it mm-hmm. and painting whether it's true or not has this feeling of like oh there was a moment and it's frozen but it wasn't mm-hmm. so prepared and there are mistakes in it you know it reminds me though that like we've talked about this before that you can kind of tell if the artist enjoyed what they are doing. <laughs> and if you can tell that the artist had no fun, you know, that there's like, it's just an anxious mess. It's, it's like a political organization. Like what happened here? It's like a, you know, it's, there's a stench yeah. <laughs> to what you're looking at. But, that but no one wants to be around that. One part of the definition of artist is uh, the, the aura of the artist touching the object. Mm-hmm. Um, which doesn't really apply to video art or software art, but 
there's something about you know, performance and the body and action painting and all these things that the people really enjoy and I think that becomes even more as everything is computerized that people like the human touch yeah and I think well my interpretation is that is that what I can see as the touch would be like whether the it's you know quote-unquote effortless right we've all heard that before mm. <laughs> and in the worst case that can be like a piece of saran wrap on the gallery floor that's called art <laughs> but in the best case it can just feel like someone was exploring something and you can see the thought process kind of laid out in front of you and you can almost like you can see the the way that the line was drawn you know and that is like when a comedian is telling a joke and they start to smile and laugh at their own joke but but how it's is a, how is that different from just saying that's really great i because I mean, that, that me, would apply to sports that would apply to a chef that would like you know He's made. There was a, a blog post about uh, Gordon Ramsay. There's a YouTube film of him making a steak. He's showing you how to do a steak in a skillet, and he just does <laughs> yeah. it so well. He's done it for a million times, and it's very relaxing because you just see his whole yeah. body, his whole being is one with the pan, and it's it's yeah. just beautiful. So that's the tricky thing. Where okay, we can say you've transcended the genre of cooking, and you're an artist. Or do we have to be like, no, he's really an amazing chef, and and the word you use is effortless or genius, but it's not art. It's a different thing. Well, I mean, the cliche thing, but it's actually true, I think, is that he's helping us understand, you know, what it is to be a human, right? Which is what all really good art does. It sort of helps us understand ourselves better. And and to do that via steak is an incredibly creative way of, <laughs> of doing that, yeah. right? Yeah. And so that touches us in some way that we weren't expecting. Um, and we've all had those moments. And there's the cliche of someone crying we've talked about at the museum or whatever. But it's really the surprise. <laughs> it's a surprise that, oh, my God, like, I didn't expect this piece of saran wrap to affect my soul so deeply. Yeah, uh, yeah it's yeah. hitting all the receptors. Exactly, it's like a multi-sensory experience. But then, sure. then art becomes very manipulative. How many receptors I, did you hate? I never deny that. It's like there's like a lot of manipulation happening, and I think every artist knows that, and the audience, sophisticated audiences, definitely know it too. And you know, they can smell it if it's too easy, um, you know, or trite or cliche, or it's been done before. Hey, you're trying to make me cry. That sucks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> go, go make someone else cry. Yeah, no. you can't pull that trick on me. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like we're just getting to be better and better magicians or something, or better and better con artists, I don't know. But mm -hmm. the intent is good. The intent is pure. We want to make people feel or help people well, there's, feel. Well, there's many uh, artists who wanted to move as far away from emotion as possible, and that's also art. So mm -hmm. there's people who like, I want to make the most mechanical, algorithmic, dry, deadpan. <laughs> uh, but that does remind me, like, you know, the absence of something is it is is it equal to its presence, yeah. right? Like, I, I remember once I was early on uh, in my like working life, I worked for Nike. It was like biggest client I ever had. Never had another client like them again because I pretty much screwed it up. But like they had, they wanted me to curate a gallery for them, and the the tagline to sell the shoe is like expression through movement, and it was like about happiness and well, the joy fact that you expression. messed it up makes you an artist. <laughs> well, what I did instead was like the show I curated was like one of the centerpieces was about was by a, like a comic book or a zine kind of based artist. And it was a, about this girl that was really depressed and like smashes her head into a wall. <laughs> 
And they're like, what is this? It's exactly the opposite of the brief. And I was like, you idiots, don't you see? <laughs> That's your French side. You idiots. <laughs> Can't you tell what I'm trying to do here? <laughs> yeah. It, it, there's something in an interview with Duchamp that he talks about uh, art being as far away removed from society's concerns as possible and uh, that art gets more and more integrated into society but the artists should be he used the word pariahs but they should be mm. like pirates they should be a little bit dangerous your your mom should not be happy that her daughter is marrying an artist it should be a dangerous outlaw subversive right. weird thing that is I like that yeah yeah, someone once told me if you're you don't if nothing's at risk or if you don't feel afraid or vulnerable when you're making something, you know, if there's nothing at stake, then it's not really art. But every time you set a boundary like that, somebody's going to be like, "Okay, I'm going to do the most absolute safest <laughs> thing possible that makes every like Jeff Koons, he's like, "I'm just going to make something that makes everybody happy." Right. And then it's all like, of a sudden, I think Richard Serra was or else with Kelly was really pissed that the Whitney did a retrospective of Coons. Like, oh, that's well, that's the worst Coons thing. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But he was involved in like trying to dismantle the idea between art and like kitsch, like kitsch yeah. aesthetics. Yeah, like, yeah. So you know, every time someone between... puts a ba- boundary, it's like, okay, there's there's art for the masses that's produced mm-hmm. in souvenir stores. That's not art. Okay, we all agree. Yeah. Everybody agrees. Is it? Can we can we at least <laughs> agree on that? And everybody's yeah. like, okay, we agree on that. Souvenir stores, not art. <clears throat> and then Jeff Coons like, but what if I make the souvenirs? a hundred times bigger and out of fancy material. And like, oh man, back to the drawing board. I guess it's art. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, some people would still argue that Coons doesn't make art. So, yeah. you know, like, that. there's still, there are holdouts, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe myself as one, as one of them. But Yeah. Well, we didn't get to any conclusions today, well, right? that's the point, yeah. <laughs> that's the point. Yeah. Yeah, if people have ideas about uh, what is art, which is probably the most cliche thing to discuss in the world, but I think we did it well, some I, interesting... I guess it's the main question when you make art, you have to ask yourself. So. Well, it's like, as soon as I have this conversation, which I've had many times in my life with different people who have entered not from the art world, and including my, you know, my parents and my coworkers, I, for the next week and a half or two weeks... They make jokes about is this art? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, or and specifically performance art's the worst because they're like walking and they're like, look, I'm walking funny. It's performance art. You're just like, yeah, great. I mean, I'm really happy for you. <laughs> yeah, go do it. <laughs> go do your performance art. Maybe maybe that could be your next performance. Is you you start a platform for people who are testing what is performance art and you give them a venue and you start this venue yeah. where. Every week there's someone trying out, is this, you call the venue, is this art? And then people can perform there. Yeah, because most people don't even think about how they, or what they do or how they perform. Or maybe start a YouTube channel, that'd be easier. But if your parents are like, this is, is this art? You you record it on your phone and then you're like, okay, YouTube will, we'll we'll see in the comments. People (laughs) will decide. (laughs) Let's put this family argument on stage next week. (laughs) (laughs) See how it plays. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I'm um, I'm curious next week if we get together if your if your MacBook is still in your possession or if it went back. Yeah, I'll give you guys uh, update I mean, on that. That'll be like you, you're <laughs> so rich you could have five segment. computers, no? Easily, it, right. it wouldn't stress you at all. It's oh my god, I had to. I I really had to save, scrimp and save. I just looked at my credit card bill on this thing. I mean, I'm not going to go into the the finances alone or. Or scarier. Oh, okay. they're certainly they're kind of an art, if you will. But the, uh, are you? Do you think you're going to switch to Linux or Windows? 
I'm using a Windows machine now for like VR, and it's. The, I'll just say, here's the one thing: if I can get a message out to Microsoft, hey, peeps at Microsoft, <laughs> it's the little things. Like it's like that you're still using the Windows 95 icons when I install software to like warn me about security. It, it, like, it also, doesn't the boot screen is still 64480 or something, and it just scales up and <laughs> things like that. No, they fix that. They fix that. There's a bunch of like nice typography and. But then it's like they forgot, like, there's just like 30% or 20%. It's less and less, actually, that it's like they just like, no, we don't have time for that. We'd have to hire someone, you know, for like a week to do the icons to get them all right. Yeah, you know? yeah, who cares? <laughs> so like, yeah. That's an old part of the app. It would break everything. Yeah. And so it's all this legacy But stuff. That's I, still I feel wrong. I follow a lot of these gadget blogs and they're all so critical of Apple. And then everybody's super excited. Oh, the new Surface Book. It's the best Surface laptop. they made. And they really said, I went to Best Buy. I saw it. It's like twice or three times heavier than the MacBook Pro. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really it's a hideous. It's so it's hideous. heavy, and it's also really has thick. this bizarre hinge. Like yeah. the hinge looks like it, it was made I in think, the Stone Age. And people are like, "Why would I want my Pro laptop to be thin?" But I, I do think it matters. <laughs> hey, yeah. I think this is a great laptop. If they can fix this driver thing, I'm going to change my review. So Apple, if you're listening, well, definitely in a yeah. year everything's fixed. In a year, all the accessories are USB C. In a year, yeah, uh, all the projectors. Whenever you do a performance, they'll have a USB C because that's the new standard. So that'll be fine. So I'm going to switch in yeah. a year. Yeah, you should. It, it's nice. It's a nice setup. The keyboard's nice. The yeah. ergonomics. The only are thing. Great. This is another problem. I have a a MacBook Pro and a Apple Display, but Apple's mm -hmm. out of the display game. So if I upgrade, I'm going to have this other display, the LG, which is hideous. Uh, and it's in my living room, so I look at it all day. Yeah. So now I'm considering switching to an iMac and the little MacBook. But then I'm going to have to start managing different machines. Right now I have one machine that has everything. The backup mm -hmm. is easy. If I travel, I have everything with me. It's not like, oh, I forgot this file. Yeah, exactly. If I go to the iMac and a little laptop it's lighter for travel it's wonderful but then mm. yeah it, you, you don't have all the power on the road and uh, oh, if, that's if a tough one making huh? art was easier yeah <laughs> didn't yeah was Steve Jobs an artist well he had this idea that like you know Apple exists at the corner of arts and innovation right like yeah. this crossroads well aesthetics and purity and uh, But you know that's maybe that's a topic for another day. Whether a technology company, because I, I have this argument, this is a good segue into a topic for another day. But the technology companies are currently like music musicians were in the 1960s. That pretty much they they shift or move culture, whether good or bad, in ways that we can't ignore. Right? You couldn't ignore the Rolling Stones in the 1960s. You couldn't ignore the Beatles. Yeah. You can't ignore Microsoft or Apple. I, it's I really think, hard I to. think Microsoft and Apple don't have much of an influence on culture, but Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, that is, is such a psychological impact. It, it, mm -hmm. it, really, it really changes. I guess the hardware facilitates it, but it's really the, the social media that's really changing how people relate to each other. And, uh, well, maybe that's why they want to make phones, you know, because that's the thing that has the biggest you know, social impact. Yeah. Um, But uh, yeah, I guess, yeah, Cindy Sherman in the 1970s, uh, Instagram, <laughs> 2016, yeah. 2017. She predicted it. Yeah, she predicted it. Anyway, um, I think that's a good, good spot to end up. But we were going to, what we're doing is we're playing some ambient audio on at the end of each podcast, right? Yeah. 
as a way to help transition back to the real yeah, world. Yeah, and to give you guys a, an idea of where we are, because we travel quite a bit, and then uh, this week we're at home, both of us. So, I also think it's a way of us manipulating people so they listen all the way to the end. The surprise. <laughs> well, that's it's like what the, it is. It's a, it's, it's the Kinder surprise. Yeah. <laughs> it's the, the Cracker Jack surprise. there's no way of, they could figure out the scroll function on the podcast app. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah who does that? Um, yeah, so we're going to listen to uh, a bit of noise from New York, from Chinatown. And uh, you live near Yeah, I just, area, I just right? uh, stepped out the door and the recording is... I start off in front of my door and walk around and go into a supermarket at the end and you, you'll hear some music and things. Uh, I think I'll just put the whole recording and then... Uh, so I go from my door where there's a lot of people selling fake designer bags. Then I go to a fish vendor and then I go into the supermarket, go out the supermarket and go to a, a produce store. But everything's Chinese. Mm. so. I, I do find these audio segments, recording them myself, quite relaxing now. Um, I, I started doing this when I I had this piece, uh, a website called Open That Window, and you, you can open the window and hear the noise of New York. Mm. And so living in New York, you're always annoyed by all the noise, but when you go out for a field recording, like, where can I find the most horrible noise? And I would go mm -hmm. to a construction site, record that, and then go to the subway station and find the loudest one. All the stuff you try to avoid, but all of a sudden it's exciting. And that's the art thing of like, oh, I'm, I'm taking my perception and recording it and it makes it interesting to walk around. Yeah, I, I wonder if it would be interesting for us, we didn't talk about this, but to ask our listeners if they could send in a field recording from wherever they are. Yeah. Because it would be kind of cool to hear that's true. from people, but not the people, but hear the sounds of their yeah, environment. But city noise, I, I noticed, I recorded city noise in Rio and then here. It's not that different. So. I don't know. Maybe you just haven't tuned. You haven't. You're not. You're not it's like a fine wine. You need yeah. to listen yeah. to enough of it to understand. That's the true. Okay. So if anybody wants to send in stuff, uh, do, yeah. do it. Yeah. Let's all be John Cage for a day yeah. and uh, listen. Okay. Well, see you Thanks next everyone. time. Bye bye. Thanks, Will you?